Yard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. And with that, we welcome you back to the show. Sports Talk ready to go for three big hours today. You just heard Adrian Broadus a moment ago. Coming your way live from our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. I also have special guest, Cade McConnell. But he's not a guest anymore. Now he's our intern. He's going to be our spring intern, and he is here with us as well from the UTEP football team. And a lot of you heard Cade over the last uh, six, seven months. But now that the internship's kicking in officially, he'll be with us even more than uh, than we've had before. Good to see you, and uh, thanks for spending uh, the afternoon with us. How are you? Yeah, you don't need to thank me anymore, right? I'm, I'm here. I'm here to stay. Good point. Whether the listeners want me here or not, I'm going to be participating. Whether you guys want well, I guess it would be up to you. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing from everybody. I'm, I'm looking forward to interact. I want to hear them tweet. I want to talk with uh, the community and the fans that listen in. Good point, by the way, because the truth is, is that if you uh, didn't show up, it would hurt your, um, it really would, would, would hurt your internship. So it's almost like you have to be here. You really uh, don't have that much of a choice about it. And uh, so it's good to see that uh, you're honoring your uh, work commitment and your internship commitment. That's good. I like that. As much fun as I have here with you guys, and, and we do have a really good time, it, I also take it very seriously. This is something that I care about. I'm not just here for fun um, as much as it is fun. It, it is business. It is work. Uh, but I, I love it, and it's fun to do it. So I'm glad I'm here. Meanwhile, as we start the show, we get to watch the MLB Network, and we see uh, exactly as they're reporting on it, the 2024 Hall of Fame ballot. There's a lot of names on this list, so it's going to be really interesting to see who, in fact, gets to hear their name called for Cooperstown this afternoon. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think we know for sure Adrian Beltre is going to be in. He is an absolute lock. We are hearing Todd Helton uh, from the Rockies will probably be in, too, that uh, he he will be uh, as close to a lock as possible. After that, it's hard to say who might get in. It's Gary Sheffield's last year of eligibility. So some believe he might have a chance to really uh, shoot up the ranks and, and get in here towards the uh, his last year. There's others that believe Chase Utley, the uh, talented second baseman who spent so many years with the Phillies before going to the Dodgers, he could get into the hall. So I'm interested to see when all the boats, uh, votes are in, who in fact gets in and uh, who falls a little shy this year. I'm looking forward to the group chats that are going to come after this. I always think it's funny, Steve. I think that it's funny because I have a lot of friends. You know, I'm talking younger generation. I'm giving a younger perspective here. A lot of these guys, you know, we didn't, we may have grown up younger watching, right? They they weren't our primetime players that, you know, we all have the, you know, most vivid memories of. But somehow these guys always find a way to get into the group chat, cause some controversy, and then you get all the other texts from your grandpa and your father after talking about everything else. So I'm, I'm excited to see what comes down the pipe here. I am too, because I forgot about Joe Maurer. He is listed, uh, you know, in that group as well. Uh, Adrian Beltre, everybody thinks is a is just a slam dunk, can't miss uh, name in the hall. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun today. Adrian, Billy Wagner, Billy Wagner's another name. I Got mean, a I, lot of momentum last year. I wonder how many are going to be on this list. How many do you think when it's all said and done get in this year? What do you think? Well, probably uh, it's probably only going to be from what history tells us, maybe four or five. That's um, a, that's a lot. 
No, no, history I'm tells sorry. us sometimes one or two or three. So one or two, the automatics. Uh, Sheffield possibly at three. If you go as far as to think Wagner could get in, I guess four would be the stretch, right? So my my apologies. I meant uh, a, a you know smaller number right there. What about Andrew Jones though, Steve? Do you think he could be kind of like Billy Wagner was last year and gain more uh, momentum that could propel him for next year? I think there are a lot of people who could see a rise on the ballots this year, a number of votes. But, I mean, again, Andrew Jones, I don't know um, if he will have enough to ever get into Cooperstown. There's a lot of guys like that, too. Carlos Beltran's on that list. Or you say, really, really good baseball player. Are they Hall of Famers? And that's really where the debate uh, starts with us here today in this 4 o'clock hour. And I'm, I'm fascinated with this, guys. I really am interested to see... Uh, who, in fact, will get in uh, when it's all said and done. Hey, I'll say this, Steve. This is the only uh, Hall of Fame that we get excited about across the major sports right now. Um, you know, it feels like everybody makes the NBA Hall of Fame right now, the way it stands, uh, and then it, or the Basketball Hall of Fame, I should say. And then on the NFL side, they're being a little bit more uh, liberal in far, as far as, you know, inviting more and more names into the Hall of Fame. And once you start to talk about Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers may, maybe sniffing the Hall of Fame, then you're Really, uh, in my opinion, you're not necessarily getting the cream of the crop across the league. Yep. However, the the debates are still there, and that's why we still talk about it here today. I think baseball is the one that keeps and maintains the highest form of professionalism, of you know attainability to actually get to that point, uh, and it quality. I mean, from top to bottom, you could talk about the quality of the Baseball Hall of Fame. The only thing that you're not going to see in there is guys who have controversy, whether it be PEDs or steroids and stuff like uh, that. Don't forget about domestic violence which Adolfo brings up texting into the show, and he thinks that really could hurt Andrew Jones, the -the off-the-field domestic violence. And it's a good point. That's a a problem that a lot of us have been uh, seeing in sports as of late, and that has been uh, an issue. So, um, again, I'm I'm looking at a lot of Joe Maurer today. I think Maurer is somebody that, as a catcher, was always a – he was a very good high average catcher. He hit well. They did a ton of home runs, but he was good defensively. He was a good on base percentage guy. And that's the thing. Okay, when I was growing up, it was all about home runs. I mean, that was really the biggest outlier for the Hall of Fame. In fact, 500 was the automatic into the Hall. If you had 500 home runs in your career, you're going to Cooperstown. Nowadays, because of the steroid era, And the juice ball era, there's no such thing as an automatic number of home runs for the Hall of Fame. And if you look at how metrics have changed, now they're looking at war. They're looking at wins above replacement. They're looking at your on-base percentage and not just the automatic home runs, RBIs, wins, um, strikeouts, ERA numbers. There's There's a lot more that goes into measuring athletes and their Hall of Fame values now versus where it used to be, which makes me wonder, NFL Hall of Fame, that will get announced around uh, you know, the next couple of weeks as we get ready for uh, Super Bowl 58. Um, I'll ask you the same thing, Cade. Do you feel like uh, judging football players for their Hall of Fame values, um, is that system fair? Because look at how many greats, all-time greats, still have not gotten into Canton. That is a very difficult hall to crack 
versus what we've seen in Cooperstown and some of the other Hall of Fames around. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really difficult, and I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair across any sport, to be honest with you, Steve. I think that there's so many different forms of a criteria, and everybody's got a completely different perspective. You could talk to one one person who thinks a player is great, another player who thought they weren't, you know, worthy of getting into the Hall of Fame. Adrian had some names earlier talking about Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. You know, I mean that that depends on who you ask. I could it I does. could make a really good argument for both of those guys of why they should be in, and I think I could make a good argument for why they maybe missed the cut. Um, but it comes down to how prestigious do you really want the Hall of Fame to be? Do you want it to be the all-time greats, the people that of the generation say that's the goat, that's the goat right there, or do you want it to be people who are in you know that top? Three percent at the time, you know that very that 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 fine line between it is really what distinguishes. Um, but to answer your question, no, I, I don't think it's fair. I think it's a very uh, very roundabout way of trying to figure out what this linear measure is, and I, I don't think it's ever going to be perfect. Eli is such an interesting case because not only did he win two Super Bowls, but he beat Brady both times. I mean, that's the goat. So when you beat a guy that was at the top of his game and has, you know, his, what was he, six Super Bowl championships, or is it seven? Is it six for Brady? Seven, I think. Seven seven if you include Tampa Bay. I think six with New England, right? Correct, correct. So that's, that's, that's insane when you start to look at that. And maybe for Eli, that's why, you know, you, you look at his at – his, um, Super Bowl wins in a higher regard than somebody else, for example. I mean, you mentioned Phillip Rivers, great quarterback, never won the big one. And how much will that end up hurting his potential legacy to Canton? Yeah, I mean, and you have to look back too. I mean, as a lifelong Chargers fan, the Chargers have struggled getting into the playoffs and going deep into the playoffs. It's been shortcoming after shortcoming. And here's when it matters is because we're talking about quarterbacks going into the Hall of Fame right now. And a quarterback is the leader of a team. Wins and losses, that, that is, wins and losses is a quarterback stat. You know, as much as it's a team stat, it is a, it is a quarterback stat. And that is something that you have to start weighing in when you start looking at guys like Phillip. That's true. And by the way, uh, offenses aren't getting any easier. They're getting more and more complex. In fact, we were joking uh, yesterday on the FM show in the morning that maybe quarterbacks should start wearing two wristbands, one on each arm, because there's so many plays now. It's hard to just look at one wristband and try to make sure you've got all your plays down. Yeah, it still amazes me. It'll never stop. You know, for people who watch Hard Knocks or any behind-the-scenes football and they hear how long these plays are, like three, four sentences, it it feels like, um, they might as well just keep a notebook with them strapped to their chest out on the field now and read a full page off. Um, But coaches like to have plays specified. That's that's why they're so long is because coaches want to be able to create, uh, you know, at a snap of a finger, any formation with any tag of any route um, at any given time. So we know Dana Dimmel had a very complex offense. A lot of plays, a lot of things to learn. Um, You're just starting now to grasp uh, what Scotty Walden and his staff bring. You tell me. We know it's a fast-paced offense. We know that. As far as complexities, is it a more complex offense than what you've been working with? Complexity uh, in the sense of... of you know, moving parts and and terminology and wordiness of plays, it's it's far less in that in that category. But um, one thing that Coach Walton said, you know, in his press conferences when he came here and stuff like that, as he says, is we're going to be able to install the offense fast. Yep. We want the best players on the field. We don't want to make it confusing for people. We want to make it streamlined, and then we want to run with it. And the way that you know he does that is by uh, allowing names for things to be condensed. That's part of the speed of things. You know, condensing names and having people be on the same page with just one word. One word, everybody's on the same page. Where you're, you're you know, very few, unless you're in a two-minute offense, you'll never see that in the NFL or something like that. Yep. Um, and so that's 
that's where the complexity, if you want to label it of that, comes down. But that doesn't mean there's any less you know, variation or creativity or options in the offense. It just becomes condensed with verbiage. Um, and then the speed of things that you have to go out gets ramped up a whole lot. I was going to say, simplified in the verbiage, simplified in the number of plays, but amplified in having to be able to call on your feet so much uh, as fast as you can. That's And it's almost like it's a rhythm offense, isn't it? Because as you start to get more and more comfortable with it and you start to realize what plays work and when they work and how they should work, you're almost like you're getting into that rhythm because you're going so fast every single time. Yes, that's one thing that in the few days that we've been back since break and started to talk some of these type of things, you know, feeling yourself as a quarterback within the offense and being immersed in it so you feel like it's surrounding you as opposed to just looking out to a defense is key. You know, you have to situational football is important, feeling the vibe of the game, who's who's doing well and who's not, who can I get the ball to and who who probably needs to be moved off from right now. Like those are all types of things that quarterbacks think about all the time, but it's ever more important in this type of offense with the different changing and speed of variability. we got a lot to cover on the show today. They're making the official Hall of Fame announcement as we speak. When we come back, we'll tell you who gets into Cooperstown this year for the class of 2024 in the Baseball Hall of Fame. We'll do that right after Charlie One, who's standing by with this traffic update. The announcement coming uh, as we speak. Three members getting into Cooperstown. Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer, both first ballot Hall of Famers. And as we expected, Todd Helton getting into Cooperstown as well. They will join Jim Leland, the longtime uh, Pirates, and then the uh, manager of the Marlins, uh, who uh, also uh, into Cooperstown. So that's a, it's a solid class and uh, really can't say enough about Adrian Beltre, who we watched here uh, against El Paso when he was in double-A, playing uh, you know under the Dodgers' um, double-A uh, team in San Antonio, they used to play uh, against the Diablos quite a bit in those years. And then Joe Maurer, uh, you know, you think about it, all with the Twins, Todd Helton, all with the Colorado Rockies. It is so difficult, gentlemen, especially now with free agency the way it is and sports the way it is, to actually go through your entire career playing with only one team. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. I mean, that's why I think a lot of people look at the players across baseball, players across NFL history, NBA history, and they have a special place for those guys who stick with the same club. Like, thinking of Tim Duncan and all the years he spent with the San Antonio Spurs. Thinking about, uh, you know, even somebody like uh, Tom Brady, who spent all that time with the Patriots. That's why it was such a big deal that he left that organization for his uh, final two seasons with the Tampa Bay Bucks. But uh, I I love this, Steve. I think Adrian Beltre, one of the greatest uh, third basemen of all time. Where yep. would you put him? Is he in that top three, you think, uh, of all time? There aren't, the- and there aren't a ton of great third basemen in the Hall of Fame. There really are. When you look at the list, Mike Schmidt would probably be one of those uh, third basemen. Brooks Robinson another great third baseman i mean there's we've had we've had some some all timers there's no doubt about it and but adrian beltre for what he was able to do consistency all these years always hit for a high average always hit home runs always play great defense i mean that's what you want when you're talking about a hall of fame third baseman 
Yeah, he hits every mark that you could throw at him. I mean, and that's why he's in right now. But, you know, uh, all those years of going to Angel Games with my family and watching Adrian Beltre go up to the plate, I, I, that's one of those that you'll never forget, right? Um, and I also want to speak a little bit on the fact that Adrian was talking about there's, there's something very special uh, about the people that stay with organizations throughout that entire time. But the part that sticks out to me is that all those guys that stay with the organization from start to finish are guys of high character. Because by the time that they get older in their career or the money talk, comes into play and stuff like that the reason that guys stay around and the guys that are able to stay throughout their entire careers because usually all those guys are great dudes that organizations want to have in there um, and that's the part that sticks out to me no you're right i'm looking right now at his uh at his third base rankings under jay jaffe's uh jaws system jay will join us tomorrow by the way when you measure third base he has um it looks like uh adrian beltre fourth best all time in his uh, in his third base Jaws ranking, so that just kind of gives you an idea of where he puts him. He's got Mike Schmidt one, Eddie Matthews two, Wade Boggs three, Adrian Beltre four, George Brett five, Chipper Jones six, Ron Santos seven, Brooks Robinson eight. Paul Molitor nine, Scott Rowland ten. So wow. that's his that's his top ten. And by the way, everybody in that top ten is now a Hall of Famer. And Edgar Martinez, before he became a DH, was a third baseman. He ranks eleventh, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So a lot of guys, uh, really, when you start to think about you know the all time greats and and where they lie, and Beltre will be in that group too. Yeah, and I remember our discussion uh, like it was yesterday, talking about Scott Rowland with Jay Jaffe and how apprehensive he was just knowing that he was uh, going into the Hall of Fame and how he's kind of like that fringe player right there. It's evident by his Jaws metric system. So, which by the way, everybody uses. I love reading articles and then seeing a reference to Jay Jaffe's Jaws metric system. Oh, I'm with you. And if you're wondering, by the way, where Joe Mauer ranks as far as catching goes on the uh, Jaws leaders, he's got him seventh all-time. Okay, so Joe Maurer, seventh all-time behind Bench, Gary Carter, Pudge Rodriguez, um, Carlton Fisk, Mike Piazza, and Yogi Berra. That's a, that's a pretty stout one through six, and now Maurer finds himself in as well. Rounding out the Hall of Fame was uh, Bill Dickey, who uh, spent time with those great Yankees teams featuring uh, Ruth and Gehrig. Uh, Mickey Cochran, who played also around that same time period with the A's. And uh, Gabby Hartnett, who played with the Cubs. So, uh, and Hartnett played in the 30s. So really, uh, 8 through uh, 10, 20s and 30s catchers. And then you've got Maurer, 7, and I told you about uh, 6 through 1. So really, it's a, uh, it's a great group. And Todd Helton, for you first baseman wondering, well, where is uh, Todd Helton rank among... The all-time great first baseman, uh, Todd Helton, uh, according to the Jaws system, is, let's see where he is at. Looks like Helton, huh, 15th all-time, okay? And there are members above him that are not in the Hall of Fame because they were still playing. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is 11th, Joey Votto is 12th, and then uh, Helton, 15th. Everybody else above him is in the Hall of Fame, with the exception of Albert Pujols, who is number two. And you got to figure Albert will get in. And Rafael Palmero is um, 13th. And Rafi might never get in because, remember, 
He uh, waved his finger during the congressional hearings on steroids and said he never took performance-enhancing drugs, and then he tests positive. So that's the issue with Palmero. He's in the 500 club for home runs. He was one of the all-time greats uh, hitters, 3,000 career hits. But when Palmero tested positive during the height of baseball's PED uh, investigation, that'll be a huge knock against his legacy. I haven't heard you guys talk about that. Um in any of the shows that I've heard, what are, what are your guys' opinions on that era and how it should affect Hall of Fame eligibility? I mean, listen, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's when baseball officially made it to where any negative test would result in the suspension, okay? If you tested negative, if you tested positive, I should say, if a positive test results in a suspension, then yes, uh, that should definitely ding your legacy. But remember, Bonds and Sosa and McGuire and Clemens never tested positive when baseball was putting the suspensions in place. And some will say, well, they still cheated. It was their, le- you know, they, they, they ruined their own, uh, you know, careers. There's, there are guys in the Hall of Fame right now that most of us believe all were on roids at some point during their careers, and they're in the Hall of Fame. So why should some be him and some not be? It was They all played in the same era. It's just a matter of if they got caught or if they didn't get caught. And it just doesn't seem right that certain individuals didn't get caught and are now in Cooperstown, and others that are either suspected of it or did get caught are considered uh, cheaters and don't get in. I, that That's why I've got a big problem with what, what's happened with Baseball Hall of Fame during the steroid era. I think that they should all go in because they all did it. And there's no reason why some should be in, some should be left out just because of either speculation or or, or tests. Yeah, and, and I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Then you talk about all the guys from here on out, you know, that they're strict on PEDs now, and a lot of guys are not using PEDs. You know, we know that stuff always going to slip through the cracks, right? But but now in modern day, you know, you're going to have a lot less of that. The steroid era is not going to happen right. anymore. And Although and, it happened for it happened recently to Fernando Tatis Jr. Yes, true, true. And, and here is a guy that, you know, if he could continues to be at this crazy pace he would be on a hall of fame trajectory true true and and that's and that's where you have the ethical dilemma of it is like you have all these you know the vast majority not everybody but the vast majority of players from here on out who are going to be going through these drug tests and they're not going to be part of the steroid era where everybody was on you know in the first three names that you talk about sosa mcguire bonds that's yeah. not going to happen again and so okay those guys make it in but they were juicing and now it sets the sets those guys are part of the they're part of the hoff they're going to set the bar higher with the numbers that they had and whether they have an asterisk next to it or not those numbers are in there so for all the guys afterward that bar gets raised but they don't have the peds to do so no you're right you're absolutely right remember uh there was also david ortiz who back in 2003 or 2000 i believe right before baseball implemented their formal program was also uh, alleged to have turned in a positive ped test and he is in the hall of fame so again you know tested positive before baseball started the program but he's in why is Barry Bonds not? Why is Roger Clemens not? It? And that's, that, that's the issue. Even if, even if we all know what they did at the time, it wasn't against the rules back then like it is today. So it's different then than it was now. And that's, 
<laughs> that's the issue. Right. And I, and I, and I agree with that. I really do. And I think part of that is too, is that, you know, part, with the David Ortiz, you know, part of it, I think that you got to see all the success that he had afterward too. Sure. You sure. Know, I was born in 2002. You said that happened in 2003. The only David Ortiz that I knew was post that, you know what I mean? And got to see all that success, which is exactly why I said earlier, all uh, hall of fames across every sport is a very, very tough line to define because, 100%. you know, your perspective of a player is going to be very different of mine, simply maybe by the time frames that we got to see him. You should see what the hall of fame is like here in El Paso for the athletic hall of fame. Same thing. I mean, there are people that are still not in the hall of fame that just completely blows my mind and there's nothing you can do about it where there's others that, you know, have gotten in and, and, and again, that's just every system is different, every standards are different, and that's what makes the Hall of Fame the Hall of Fame no matter what it is, right? No doubt, and you'll always have controversy with it and it always makes a great talking point. Adrian, where do you stand on the Baseball Hall of Fame situation? So, uh, well, I just want to say this. This is the time to highlight the new wave of guys who are starting to get on the ballot uh, involving, or who had some involvement with PEDs like uh, Manny Ramirez. This is his eighth year on the ballot and so, uh, no momentum for him. That tells us that we're Regardless of what we think, the baseball writers are still not going to be voting these guys in. And the name to obviously keep an eye out for is Alex Rodriguez, third right now, his third year on the ballot, and he's still not really getting any momentum either. So if these guys, the new wave of guys, they're not getting momentum. Uh, We talked about Bonds and McGuire. Those guys aren't in the Hall of Fame. And uh, probably this next wave of of guys who've been busted with PEDs, they might not get a chance to get into the Hall of Fame despite what they've done throughout their career. 100%. And I'm waiting now to start to see how uh, how close others were on the ballot. I'm very interested to see as those numbers start to come in how close we've seen. So we'll do that in a little bit. We've got a big show today. We've got um, Mark Torres coming by. Um, you know, longtime head coach in high school football and uh, with the news that he is going to be moving on to the Austin area. We'll talk to Coach Torres when he drops by in the 5 o'clock hour. And Nate Poss is going to be swinging by in the 6 o'clock hour. Super happy about both of our guests coming in. We'll do that in a moment as we continue. And apparently the full vote results have been released. I will be looking at those right now. And man, oh man, some very, very close, close calls. Billy Wagner falling just 1.2% short of going in with this group. Heartbreak. That's how close Billy Wagner was. So you're right about that. We'll do that in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. But first, here he is, Adrian Broadus and SportsCenter. Much. Let me give the ballot count and let everybody know how, how close this was for some of the ballots. I believe... You needed to get on 75% of the ballots, which, um, in case you're wondering, Billy Wagner, um, he has one more year to go, and he was listed on 73.8%. So uh, there's a really good chance that Billy Wagner, because he was only five votes short of election this year, will get in next year during his 10th and final year on the ballot. That we could absolutely see. Um, and then you look at you know the others. Gary Sheffield, this was his last year. He was uh, on 63, almost 64% of the ballot. It's good for Sheffield. In fact, he will have a chance next year when the Historical Overview Committee meets 
and they contem- you know they do the contemporary baseball era committee for the class of 26 so that could happen and Sheffield could find himself on in a couple of years here's what's surprising to me okay let's talk about the less than 5% these are players who did not receive enough votes or any votes and will not be on the ballot next year that includes Jose Bautista Victor Martinez Bartolo Colon Matt Holiday Adrian Gonzalez, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, and James Shields. Now, these are all the names who received over 5%, and we'll be back next year. David Wright had 6.2%. Torrey Hunter, 7.3%. Francisco Rodriguez, that's K-Rod, no relation to this radio station, 7.8%. Mark Burley, 8.3%. Andy Pettit, 13.5%. Bobby Abreu, 14.8%. Jimmy Rollins, 14.8. Omar Vizquel, 17.7. Chase Utley in his first year, just 28.8% of the ballot voted for Utley. Manny Ramirez, 32.5. Alex Rodriguez, 34.8% of the ballots. Carlos Beltran, 57.1%. Andrew Jones, 61.6%. We talked about Sheffield and Wagner. Well, Jones had a very, very good spike up, and he does have, uh, you know, time. In fact, he might uh, put himself into the Hall of Fame. You might see Andrew Jones and Gary and uh, Billy Wagner both getting in perhaps as soon as next year. So it is interesting when you look at this list to see who made it on on what ballots yeah definitely are you surprised with the uh chase utley number right now at 28.8 as far as the percentage for votes a little bit i thought i mean utley to me was one of the better power hitting second baseman during his time and just like jeff kent who never got in um it seems like that's just not good enough you know yeah no doubt about it and what about carlos beltran who's now at 57 percent? what do you think there i think he could get in when time, you know, before no it's all scandal, said and done. No, nothing around the scandal. Well, but I mean, what's the scandal with Carlos Beltran? It's it's the trash can incident. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So you wonder. Okay, here's a question: What's worse, in your opinion, steroids or sign or sign stealing? In my mind, roids. Because yes. sign stealing has been going on since the beginning of time. It's it happens all the time. It's been happening for a thousand years. And I mean, happened even to if, the national champions in football, right? And even if he orchestrated the helped orchestrate the whole sign stealing with uh, the trash can banging, um, I, I don't necessarily look at Carlos Beltran as somebody who should not be at Cooperstown. I always thought he was a terrific baseball player and one of the best ever. So that's just me as far as Beltran. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I. I completely agree with your take on whether or not steroids or banging on a trash can is worse. I mean, for anybody out there who thinks that sign stealing isn't a part of a game, whether teams do it or not, I mean, it, it's happened. You know, it, it was part of the game when I was 10 years old, and, and you've heard about it forever. Sure. Um, there's obviously ways that are much more uh, egregious and blatant than other ones that, you know, you probably want to stay away from and, and not do. I'm not saying it's ethical, uh, but but it's a part of the game, and, and I would I would say that banging on trash cans comes nowhere close to steroids. 
Adrian, you agree or disagree? Yeah, the sign stealing is definitely not as egregious as something like steroids. I think when you put yourself, your body in a situation on the steroid side of things, you put yourself at risk for whatever might happen. And maybe maybe something good uh, as far as on-field production happens, but maybe something negative, like you actually getting caught and uh, you know your whole legacy tarnished as a result of it. So you kind of uh, dance with the devil with the steroids incidents, in my opinion. If Todd Tease has a Hall of Fame career, and stays clean the rest of his career, does the negative test that happened a couple of years ago keep him out of Cooperstown? It's a great debate because uh, we were our, we talked about the trajectory when he first came onto the scene with the Padres. He excited a lot of fans, uh, and now you feel like a little bit is tarnished. Now uh, there are opposing teams who are chanting against him. They don't like him, Fernando Tatis Jr., and I feel like just because of that, it, it just depends. What what kind of thinking are we, are we having? Does the baseball writers in whatever, 2040s, the 2050s, uh, look at this a little differently? than they do today, the baseball writers who are voting on this today, right? Because you and I can argue on this all day, but at the end of the day, it's the baseball writers who are voting on this, right? Yeah, that's true. Now, you got to understand one thing, okay, and this is important to note. Um, Jones, this was his seventh ballot, meaning he has three left to go. There's an excellent chance Andrew Jones will be getting into Cooperstown when it's all said and done. Carlos Beltran is already on 57% of the ballots, and this is only his second year on the ballot. So most likely, Carlos Beltran will get in in the next couple of years. Uh, Wagner will most likely get in next year as long as he just gets on on four or five more ballots. That's all he needs, and I I, I think that's going to happen. The interesting questions are guys like Manny Ramirez, eighth ballot, 32.5%. Don't see that happening for Manny. I, I, I really don't. And you know, other than that, a lot of these guys all have chances and, and could very well get in. Uh, you know, the guys that we've mentioned before. A-Rod was on his third ballot, 34.8%. Now, the question's going to be that if guys like um, Bonds, Clemens, um, you know, you could go McGuire, start to get into the Hall of Fame through other committees, the special committees, and they get voted in and more and more of them do get in, then does Alex Rodriguez, do you look differently at him, or do you say no, because he tested positive when you couldn't test positive, uh, when, when positive tests resulted in a suspension? If that is the case, then do you just still keep Alex Rodriguez out? And that's what's, that's what's going to be really interesting to see how baseball approaches this in years to come. And then I think you also get into the to the gray area of where Adrian was talking about, where you know baseball is the most highest esteemed Hall of Fame of the sports right now. Well, if you start letting these guys in through special committees and these outside sources, does baseball get watered down a little bit more? Not necessarily, you know, just by the production of players, because when you talk about guys like Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, you know, the 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 caliber of what they did was was top tier. But you start letting people in from other angles, and now you could have an argument where, well, you know, baseball's starting to come down. To where the other sports are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. So once again, we'll, we could talk more about this during the show today, and uh, we'll get your phone calls in, 505-6009. When we come back, I know at least one listener who is hyped for UTEP football. We'll talk to Cade and find out how the players are hyping themselves up during the start of spring and uh, before you know it, spring practice. We'll do that in a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. 
39 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk 505-6009 to get into the show. Cade McConnell's internship allows us to have our intern here with us today. I like that. I'll call him as our intern. I mean, that's what he is, right? We get, to grade right. Him. we get to grade him on the air, don't we? That's going to be fun. I too. hope you have some assignments, Cade. Yeah, what's, how what's, things go at UTEP. Yeah, that's true. Apparently, he was already at the uh, basketball games this past week. What did you think of the Middle Tennessee and the uh, Western Kentucky games for UTEP? Yeah, I got to see uh, most of the Middle Tennessee game. Uh, I thought that, you know, around halftime, halfway through the game, I wanted UTEP to pick it up a little bit and separate away and just play clean basketball. Um, and they did so towards the end of that game and ended up getting a good victory. Um, and much the same in the Western Kentucky game. You know, I actually got there uh, a little bit late. It was more, I got to see more of the second half than anything. Thing in the first, I was uh, with some recruits and coaches with the football team. We were going to watch, um, but you know there was so many plays on defense where I felt like they really just gave up the paint, and it was just easy dunking in, dunking in. You know, possession after possession, we'd have a great you know in transition play. We'd get the ball to the rim and go score, or we'd hit a three or something. You know, to get the crowd going, and then it would go back silent real quick with you know out defending, not defending the paint. You know, a quick pick and roll, and it was too easy for Western Kentucky. Um, but we went on a great roll at the end there for the last, you know, five minutes of the game, uh, three minutes of the game, and allowed us, you know, to get a near 10-point victory. Big win, too, for Utah. I mean, they needed it to need the confidence, need the wins in conference, and it's, it's interesting how this team is, has been such a better team at home than they have been on the road. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know, when they get on the backs of the guys that can really make stuff happen and those guys have great games, really good things happen. Like when Tay Hardy's on and he has, you know, 26 30 points you know by the end of the game yeah. i mean it's going to be a good night for utep because you need that you need that score i mean obviously you know that's that's basketball but when you watch utep play and how they move the ball around you know sometimes the way you know the way the offense works out you need somebody who's going to be like all right i'm going to take this ball and i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to get it to go i saw this from callaway 007 on uh, twitter and x it's only january he mentions but i'm hyped for utep football so there you go callaway's ready to go yeah, he's not the only ones that was ready to go. As I said, we were with some uh, some recruits and stuff, and we were checking out the basketball game, and uh, the coaching staff and Coach Walden was attending the basketball game, and, and, and just as much energy as everybody heard Coach Walden when he was on uh, the show here when me and Lane Frank were hosting uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. Um, and as they heard in the press conference, Coach Walden comes with just this unmatched energy and it was no different at the basketball game I mean he was going nuts just just screaming yelling excited for our basketball team and you could tell how real and genuine it was and I could see everybody looking in the stands they were turning back and I could read their lips all that's the new football coach that's the new football coach and then these little kids came up to him and they were like are you the new football coach and he talked to him for a little bit took time you know settled down and talked to him for them for a few minutes and then something happened and and a dad turned back he goes yeah we got we got you in football at the Sun Bowl coming up soon and coach Walton's well yeah and then the, the the energy just even on the small section of where we were sitting at you could feel was elevated and then he started chants and everyone started chanting you know defense that was coach Walden that started it wasn't the cheerleaders or the band or anybody really? else it was yeah. coach Walden and and that's the exact type of thing that UTEP fans can be excited for it's exactly what the players are for um, I'm right there with the person that tweeted in is it a different experience hosting recruits with this coaching staff and regime versus what it was in the last couple of years? Absolutely, because the way that they bring you and hosting recruits and on visits is just exactly how they treat you when you're still here. You know what I mean? In the sense that they, they care and they're excited. 
You know, they're, they're, the energy is there, um, and, and they take the time to do the little things right, that they, they take the time to make you feel like you're having fun and excited, and that doesn't change once you get here. So the, uh, the visits that I've seen them come through, they're, they're, they're like none other, uh, but they're a great segue into what our program is becoming right and now. And I want to make sure we, we really stress this. It's not like the previous recruiting visits weren't fun and exciting. I'm sure that the, the staff with Coach Dimmel – did what they needed to do to try to land the players he was targeting, but it's just a different approach, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a different approach, and you can't you know, knock any of the previous coaching staffs. I mean, they recruited great players. They recruited me. They recruited, you know, we've had four guys go Power 5 uh, this past season in the transfer portal. I mean, those are all their guys that they recruited here, so the, the them recruiting wasn't necessarily, you know, the question. It was just the way, we're talking about the way that Coach Walden and his staff goes about recruiting, and then once they come here and get a taste of what's happening in this program, there's just a different feel to it. I love how you said they recruited great players. They recruited me. The way you stated that was Adrian. Yes, that was spot Uh-oh. on. No, from I mean, Cade, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we need to build the confidence uh, as QB one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're, I agree. We're a little biased, right? But yeah, uh, we are, Q- are. QB one for Cade McConnell. He's in the family. I mean, yeah. Yes. I mean, now you could have said they recruited great players like me. I mean, you didn't have to put yourself after the great players. You could have just said, you know, they really recruited great players. I mean, I'm one of them, but, you know, we, we, we understand. We know the confidence level and where it's at. My, my humble self-defense into that, you know, this, this conversation that's going on right now is that was yeah. my segue into the four Power Five players that we had this past year. I got you. So I'm glad you didn't let any of that brush over. Thank you. All right, Steve. It was, it was, it was good, though. It was, yeah. it was, the timing was <laughs> impeccable. I loved it, and so did Adrian. He had a big grin on his face when he heard it, just like I did. All right, one hour in the books. When we come back, Mark Torres will join us. Uh, we got a lot to talk about with him. Nate Poss, a little bit later on in the show. And, of course, Kate McConnell sticking around with us all show long. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue. Our um, intern, Cade McConnell, with us right now as well. Uh, when he's not interning on 600 ESPN El Paso, he is um, playing quarterback for UTEP. So what what sounds better? Intern Cade? Um I mean, because remember, we always give, we always, like, don't we usually always call our interns by intern in their first name? Isn't that what we normally do? Were you intern, Adrian? No, I was not, thankfully. I no. was uh, Wall Street. Uh, Wall Street was they my called favorite. Me, they called me a, a couple different things. The real AB, AB was ah, yes. uh, right away. Do you know why he was Wall Street? No, I would love to hear, though. So when Adrian first joined us, this goes back now six, seven years, however long it was. He was at the Prospect. He was a sports editor for the Prospector, okay? And when we first were talking to him, his Twitter um, picture, like his profile pic, he was in a suit. And I mean, he looked like he was on Wall Street trading stocks. So... Somebody called in or and nicknamed him Wall Street, and after that, the name just kind of stuck for a while. Although the real AB was good, I mean people people hit him up on Twitter with that. So um, and you didn't change your 
your Twitter profile pic for a long time. You kept that you kept that suit and tie up for a while. Yeah, uh, shout out to a fraternity who allowed us to have a composite photo so I could be in a you know a suit and tie and look nice on it, and then throw it on my LinkedIn profile, my Twitter profile, all that kind of stuff. So worked out. I kept it for a while, and then it, it, I just had to uh, flip it over eventually. Adrian, if you had to go back to a nickname, which one would it be? I like AB. I think AB could stick. You know, it's short, sweet, to the point. Okay, okay. And my next question is: Do I do I have to have an intern Cade title, or no? Or could I just be Cade? You can just be. You can just be Cade until somebody tweets out on Twitter what they think I should be called, and then it sticks, and I'm doomed for the rest of the the, the time here. That is a good point, and yes, that that might end up happening um, over the course of time. By you know the way, what? I'll just say this real quick. Uh, I thought I thought when you really came onto the scene this season, Cade, there was some tr- there's a little bit of manufacturing trying to come up with a nickname for you, but I think we need to hear one that really sticks. You know mm. what I'm saying? We need a real Cade McConnell nickname. We do. Uh, and by the way, since we're on the subject of you and uh, social media, your Twitter profile pic shows you holding the pickaxe with your number 11. Uh, solid, solid photo. I like it. But the background photo shows you in like an Atlanta Falcons helmet with 11 and Cerritos on the back. Will you be switching that out to one of your UTEP action shots that were taken of you throughout the course of the season? That's a really good point. I probably need to go switch it, so I'm going to say yes. It probably is going to be switched out. I remember coming here, and I remember switching my Twitter profile picture and then thinking, you know what? Cerritos was where I came from. That was my junior college. I still have great ties there, connections, yes. family, friends, all that type of thing. And that was like, you know, a little little homage to them, right? A little little respect given with the background Twitter. So I have a theory on this, okay? Had you not played this past season and had you been behind Gavin and company and never seen the field of play, I would absolutely say keep the Cerritos look for that very reason. But since you started half the season and you had plenty of highlights yourself, it is time to throw in one of those action shots to replace the Cerritos. I think Cerritos served its purpose. It absolutely delivered what it should have done. But now, Adrian, do you agree with me that he's taken the next step and we should see a UTEP action shot. You know what? I'm sorry, Kate. I think this is where the first bad grade comes. It's the social media. The pinned post is like your huddle from 2022. What's going on? It's a little outdated. We need the touchdown pass in uh, Ford, FIU. Yeah, at yeah, Ford that, International. That should be pinned. Okay. There's no reason why a Updated huddle. Updated photo. Yes, let's, I, let's, I agree with Let's you. break this down really quick because this is important, right? You it know, is. The, the formal social media that is used across this, this you know, uh, platform and with ESPN is Twitter. But yes. admittedly, I have not used Twitter religiously in a very long time. Okay. Uh, you will see very few tweets on there. The main reason that I had a Twitter in the very first place was to get my highlights out there to coaches and whatnot. I understand so, that. With that. With all that being said, I am in full agreement with both of you. In fact, I think that but starting or not starting, I think the time removed from Cerritos bears the fact that I can switch out my Twitter background for something UTEP. I think that I would like to update my profile picture 
here instead of just the commitment photo, you know, holding the pickaxe. I think we can get a different little action shot in there or something. I think the link, the pin tweet needs to be updated. Adrian, I agree with all these things. There's nothing but right things coming from both of you guys right now. You don't even have a bio on Twitter. All we know is your birthday and when you joined, that's it. We need a bio. We need to know what kind of food you like to eat, NIL opportunities. You got to throw that out there. I mean, you're right. And, and here's a key, too, okay? On this radio show, for us, Twitter or X, that's what we do. That, that is, now, as you, now that you're interning officially with us, that is our way of communicating with our listeners when they don't call into the show or they're not chatting with us on our mobile app. So that has always been a big, big part of this show. And now that you're on board, you absolutely have to get with the times. I agree. I agree. And I think part of what I said, this isn't just for fun, right? This is serious. And if you're going to be able to communicate with people, I want people to communicate with me. we got to have a, we got to have a good-looking platform. So uh, I'll take that as homework assignment until the next time that I'm with you guys. Revamp the Twitter. Get it looking good. Updated, fresh. El Paso, UTEP, quarterback, Cade McConnell, yes. fresh X page. Adolfo just texted into the show, Cade McConnell is awesome on the radio. Adolfo, I agree that might be true, but still his Twitter's a mess, and now he's going to work on that. So the next time you show up and we go to Cade underscore McConnell, we'll see a totally different look Versus what we see right now. I mean, the the followers and the tweets and the and the tags might just come yeah. flowing in with a revamp. I hope that's nice. how it happens. I hope it's all the listeners on the radio. That's what I hope. I do too. You can always tag uh, 600 ESPN El Paso in your bio too. Yes. You could put a little UTEP football and 600 ESPN El Paso. Moonlighting, moonlighting on 600 <laughs> ESPN El Paso. Hey, I didn't realize this. Steve and Cade, both of you all are Taurus. How about that? He's two days before me. Oh, he is? Oh, yeah. He sure is. Right around the corner. It's the 16th and then 14th. Yeah, yep. exactly right. Right, right. What are you going to turn, 21 on the 14th, or are you already 20? I'm already 21. 22 on 22. the 14th. Oh, that's good. I'll be 51. Yeah, we're close. Yeah, we're only, we're only off by 29 years. Yeah. It's, uh, it's solid. That's a solid, right. solid uh, situation. <laughs> that's good. Um, but, yes, that's excellent. Well, the fact that you're 21 already, is uh, that's, that, that helps. That, that really does. That means that, uh, well, if you need to, there are certain establishments that you can go into. Right, right. We can go down and we can go into an establishment together without worry. There you go. That is uh, that is true. Um, by the way, when you drink a beer, what is your beer of choice? I, I will say I'm not not a huge uh, drinker by any means, by any means. But if I'm gonna you know be on the weekend away from football, long time, no workouts in sight, there you go. Right, I'll have a Coors Light. Okay, I'll have a Coors Light. Do you drink tequila? I do. When, when you know, when it was summer break, I went to Tulum, Mexico for the first time All right. uh, with my girlfriend Kaylee. It was a wonderful trip. She planned the entire thing. I didn't have a speck to do with it, but it went wonderful, and uh, they got something different down there in Mexico. It tastes better for some reason. Really? Yeah, I'd have to say so. A little magic magic sauce they got. Adrian, Put a little we, water in it. We might need to have a little 600 ESPN El Paso gathering at my house, and uh, I'll, I'll bust out the tequila. That sounds great. All right. That sounds great. Adrian's a big tequila drinker. Oh, okay. Were you a tequila drinker before you started working here? Yeah. Or or is that thing you've kind of evolved with since you've been around? I definitely evolved into it. Uh, I was definitely a beer drinker in college. And then, yeah, now I enjoy tequila. So, yeah, I enjoy all. I'm I'm pretty inclusive when it comes to the drinks. Let me tell you this. I am not a huge drinker. I don't like to drink for in excess. Never have. I only enjoy 
what I what I tried to uh, to drink. So I, I am more about drinking to enjoy and not drinking for other reasons. Are you a wine so, drinker? I do drink wine. Yes, not not as much. That's not my go to. But I will not pass up. I, I do like a, a Sauve Blanc or a Pinot Grigio for whites, and I also like a, a good uh, a good Cabernet uh, for red, and uh, perhaps a Merlot or a Shiraz, depending on what it is. Do you feel the age gap closing? You see how it, it's shortening right now? No, you could still be my kid. So there you go. It's not <laughs> uh, not I'm not I, even though even though I'm chasing around an uh, an 11 year old, I could easily be going to watch a 21 year old. So that's uh, trust me. Thank you for trying to throw the wine to help out but no it's not uh it's uh, unfortunately no i wish i wish but it was that's worth, a shot. It. worth you, a shot you did good you tried you, you gave us the effort there uh 13 passes we continue here on sports talk 505-6009 that is our telephone number as we continue here on the program meanwhile my wife is concerned that when i break out the tequila i'm going to use her bottle no i will not have anything to do with her tequila and by the way since she's listening i'd like to wish uh my wife, Karen, a very happy birthday today. So she is celebrating her birthday by being in a leadership conference since 8 in the morning, and she's teaching more classes. She hasn't been home yet, so hopefully she'll have a chance to come home later this evening and actually enjoy uh, her birthday because uh, today is one of the bigger ones out there for her. So happy birthday if you're listening, and uh, looking forward to seeing you here uh, in a couple of hours when we get out of the show and finish things up here. At hey, happy birthday, Ber- uh, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday. There you go. All right. So listen, we got a lot more to talk about. Mark Torres is going to be dropping by soon. Um, also, Nate Poss is going to be with us today. And Nate is somebody asked, but today is a little different. They ran a big story about him in the paper a couple of days ago. After 27 years at UTEP stepping down, we made the phone call, talked to Nate. He was kind enough to drop by. Nate also, and I'm sure I'll talk about this on the show, Adrian, when we spend some time with him and, and Kate as well. Uh, he was at the Cowboys-Packers game with Aaron Jones uh, just a few weeks ago. Well, he got a chance to see another uh, historic performance by Showtime himself. Uh, we've been talking about this all week so far, Steve, in just our two shows here. But uh, what a performance again. I, I just I, We said it yesterday. What a performance again by Aaron Jones to close out the season. I mean, to think about it, he had the adversity. He had the injuries mid, midway through the uh, season. And then he has that video game-like run against the 49ers to close out that game. Could get the win uh not necessarily his fault but uh what a performance he showed out on the field to close out the season i'm sure nate's gonna give us uh, some some play-by-play of what that was like by the way nate travels all over the country watching former utep players i don't know if you know this but not just aaron jones he has visited everybody jordan palmer so many others uh either in the nfl or just keeping in touch it's great that he's that he's been able through those 27 years to keep that Rolodex going and, and talk to so many former minors. And that's what's so cool is because Coach Poss has been around for so long, he gets to form these relationships that are far beyond the surface with a lot of these players. And so no matter what walks of life they go to or different careers, Coach Poss is always going to have a connection to everybody that's been in that UTEP building. Absolutely right. So we'll get a chance to uh, do that as well. Meanwhile, this came in a moment ago on Twitter from Jaime Moya at uh, 16 past the hour here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Jaime uh, gets in. Now that Cade is an official intern, what's the rules on him giving us a weekly update 
on all things UTEP football and how it's going? That's the question. Now, it's a great question, Jaime. Can you give us that answer after the break, as soon as we come back from Charlie One? We'll have it. All right. Cade will answer that for you, Jaime. I'm looking forward to it. In the meantime, let's go to uh, Charlie One, the aforementioned Charlie One, and get this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk 21 past the hour as we continue, along with uh, Adrian Broadus. Cade's here with us as well. And now we've got the brand-new head football coach, at Buda High School in Buda, Texas, talking about the one and only Mark Torres. Welcome back, and uh, congratulations, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And it's uh, it's actually Hayes High School in Buda, Texas. So it's not Buda High School, it's Hayes High School. Hayes High School, yeah. Right. How many high schools are there in Buda? They have three. So it's uh, Kyle Lehman, uh, Buda Johnson is the newest school, and Buda Hayes is the, the flagship school, it's the oldest school. So Buda has been around the longest. Buda has been around, opened up in 1968. Okay. Um, was this something that just kind of happened, uh, you know, spur of the moment, or is this something that, uh, you know, had been had been at least ongoing for quite a while? No, it, it was spur of the moment. So um, I got a call the last day in December, our last day of school in December, that evening I got a call, was made aware of the – of the position being open, the, the the previous coach, Coach Goad, he's retiring, 39 years coaching, 36 as head coach. Not all there, but uh, uh, he was retiring, and the AD and other administrators were at the state championships and, and our school, and my name was uh, thrown around as a, as a strong candidate for what they were looking for. Excellent. Well, that's uh, for you, I'm sure. Uh, you're flattered about that. And then it leads to this uh, opportunity for yourself. And, I mean, you tell me, somebody who's, who's from here and, you know, you played your high school ball here and now coaching here, was this something that at least maybe you thought about down the road and said, hey, if I ever got an opportunity, I'd want to take a shot at and coach out in Central Texas? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, of course it has, and you know I I think I've always I've always felt like I like I belong no matter where I was because I think I I try to do things the right way. Uh, I felt that way as an athlete when I was in high school. You know, and you you kind of advance in track and field or you play the, some of the best teams around in football. Uh, you can tell whether you belong or whether you stack up or not. And whenever I've been around coaches or gone against some really good teams, I I have felt that way. Um, but my wife and I actually spoke about. Not necessarily moving over there in a hurry, but you know, retiring mm-hmm. in that area of the of the state. I like Tom Work. Be a smart. Tom that'd be Work, a, that, yeah. that's the ultimate Tom Work strategy right there. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, Coach. When it came to uh, the decision, when it was all said and done, and you kind of reflect back on what you built at Pebble Hills. I mean, really opening up the school and starting up the program from scratch and building it to what it is right now, which is a perennial contender year over year for a district title. Uh, how tough was that decision to move on from that school that really uh, not only kick-started your career, but launched you, propelled you forward, and, and led to all these opportunities? Well, I still have a heavy heart. Uh, I took a nice picture from the plane flying in a little while ago, and I, and I cropped it, and you can see the entire campus from the, the direction we were coming in. I still have a heavy heart um, in that regard. I, I will always be a Spartan. That will always be a part of me, and I, and I hope they feel the same way about me. Um, I gave everything I could to that school, um, a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of emotion yesterday morning. Uh, I'm sure that's not done with, and um, – 
it's a testament this opportunity is a testament to our program not not to me individually and it's a testament to the Socorro ISD because the reason it's the best job in El Paso is because the infrastructure of the job you know all my coaches are on campus very few coaches and schools around town can say that all my coaches have at least one athletic period a lot of them too my coordinators have a coordinating period they all have a conference period I got it's the best setup so whoever goes into Pebble Hills is is ready to rock and roll, and I'm proud of that. And whoever goes in, I want them to make it better than they found it. Because when I found it, there was no foundation. They they hadn't even laid the concrete for much of that place yet. So uh, I'm proud of that, and I'm going to be rooting for whoever becomes the head coach there. 2016 was your first year. You've been there ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, given the success you've had, and, and, and obviously this being home, how tough of a decision was it? to know that you were going to really leave and uh, and and take this opportunity uh, out there at Hayes? Well, I think that when I just thought about it and put it down on paper, it was really difficult. When a week ago we were over there, a little over a week ago, almost two weeks ago, and we were over there going through the process of interviewing for it, I felt very comfortable. I mean, I felt the same way interviewing for for Hayes as I did going for Pebble Hills. And the reason that is is it's easy to give a great interview when you don't need a job. I don't need I didn't need a job. I had the best job in town. And I felt the same way when when I interviewed at Pebble Hills. I, I told Darren Walker, I said, Walk, if if I don't get the Pebble Hills job, being the offensive coordinator for you at Franklin High School, like there might only be one or two better head coaching jobs in town than being his offensive coordinator. And I truly felt that way. So it was a pressureless situation. Um, and I just felt comfortable. And I don't, I don't know how else to explain it other than that. You know, I, I believe in what I believe in. And when you can answer questions honestly because the worst thing is you come back to the best job in El Paso, that's, that's a very comforting feeling. Now you said it. Best job in El Paso. No, no, pre- no pressure for you at Pebble Hills because what you built and, and really where you've taken it to. And for the first time, maybe in your career, there will be pressure at, at Buda Hayes because you're going to be replacing a guy that arguably is a legend over there with the longevity and what he's done. And it makes you say to yourself, okay, I'm following in his footsteps. How will I be able to uh, take this program and either sustain or build it up to a level that people haven't seen over there. So I'm sure for you, you're up for that challenge, but that's going to be something that I'm sure is it's going to be kind of exciting for you, knowing that you're walking into a spot that um, there will be people looking to see, hey, can this guy from El Paso be able to come in here and deliver uh, at Hayes like he's delivered at uh, Pebble Hills? Yeah, and I, and I think that uh, whatever pressure I had at Pebble Hills was – we put on ourselves you know we we set a standard for that and um you know our first varsity year with juniors uh, 5a numbers i like to tell this story because it's true i didn't have an ad at the time i didn't have a principal at the time when we were in that realignment so they threw us into 6a and they did not use the uil formula for whatever reason and we had to battle but i think that's why we exploded as quickly as we did and in year number three for us, which was our second varsity year, our first year with seniors, we were right up there. And, and there, I don't know that there was a better El Dorado team than that Sedarius Barfield team. I don't know that there's a better Montwood team that, than that Andrew Fernandez Montwood team. So right away being top two, three in town, that was important. That was kind of step number one. The pressure over there in Buda, you know, 
Bob Shelton, they named the stadium after him. He's in the THSCA Hall of Honor. I met him this morning. And and he's kind of uh, how we revere Don Brooks and Tony Shaw and Tom Work. That and Scott Brooks and Darren Walker, that is how this man is over there. I met him in his living room this morning before he was going to Lockhart to eat barbecue. It's a great little story and routine he has. Um, I'm not replacing him. I believe he retired in 2008 or nine, but the the coaches that have followed him, Blake Felt and and Les Goad, they, you know, they're 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 longtime coaches who have had success, and when they take on those positions like Buda Hayes, it's because they've had success. I, mean, I don't think they're and I and I take pride in the fact, and it is flattering that I don't believe they were just going to put anybody in that spot. Coach, what does it mean? I mean, you've you've given a lot of credit to the um, administrators, the school district, uh, Pebble Hills itself, the players around you. What about your family? I mean, you you look at your two brothers, Matt and, and Ruben. They've had so much success. They're out right now, uh, head coaches across the state of Texas as well, and you'll be joining them. How how much have you leaned on them through this process? Yeah, you know, Ruben is uh, Ruben's in a good situation in Marlin, where you know the. The concentration of talent is really high. His his challenges are a little bit different because it's it's a it's a country kind of school, so it's not a metroplex area for him. And so they have different issues like how do kids get to school when the weather's bad? They got to close school down. Matt is going right to coaching heaven because Sharpstown, Houston, is not the mecca of high school bred football players. It's a very tough job. It's in the city of. Houston HISD it is not what you would think so our younger brother is going right to coaching heaven and uh, but in just talking to them about you know what it means to the communities uh, around there and then a place like Hayes where it is very rich in tradition uh, I think those conversations have helped me a bit more with uh, Coach Torres as we continue. If you've got any questions, you can get into the show, 505-6009. You can also hit us up on uh, Twitter and X at 600 ESPN El Paso or our free mobile app where you can listen and chat in real time. We'll keep this moving right after Adrian in Center. Right now here, we've got uh, Mark Torres, the new head coach of uh, Buda Hayes, and uh, he's uh, talking uh, with us inside our studios. Cade's here with us as well. Cade, before I know you've got questions for Coach, and I want, I want you to fire away, but before we do that, I promised before the break you would address this from Jaime, who said, now that Cade is an official intern, what's the rules on him giving us a weekly update on all things UTEP football and how it's going? Now, uh, we have no rules, Adrian. Really, for the most part, we're very open with that stuff, and we don't. There's nothing we have now. You might have rules that you have to abide by, but uh, how would you answer uh, Jaime's question? Well, there's no rules, but there are morals and ethics, um, and I will be happy to come. That's that's the fun of having me on here is that I get to give you guys UTEP updates from what happens, you know, in the building right now. Now, am I going to go share our game plan for week one? No, I'm not. But uh, yes, Jaime, you're going to get UTEP updates from me. Um, I would love to come out and share, you know, what we did for that week. Maybe something that happened that was, you know, a cool story or funny in the locker room or something like that, and and give the people that listen, you know, to ESPN 600 an insight on UTEP football. Hopefully, the fan base can feel a little bit closer than what they than what they were before. Will you be giving updates this time around? Since right now, you know, you're kind of easing into things with the new staff, the new teammates, and and stuff like that. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll absolutely be giving updates. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of new things coming in that the locker room is is getting a taste of. Um, and and like we were talking about earlier, just a very different angle from what the previous staff was. Um, and so all the players that were there, we can't we can't keep talking about the previous staff. It's got to be something that we turn the page um, and you go into you know something with an open mind yeah. and you just have to take it on with open arms and you got to buy into everything. You know, uh, that's kind of how I've gone through my my football career with every coach that I've had, whether they came in new or they were there previously once you are under a head coach's rule and they're over and they're coaching you you got to buy into the program because if you don't you're not going to have success coach i got to give you a little story about Cade. so he started with us in the summer kind of informal and we gave him the opportunity to sit in uh, on a variety of shows and at that point he was far down on the depth chart and then as things started to develop and he was given an opportunity we felt almost like you know in the mafia when somebody gets made and it's like in your crew and you've got that certain feeling that's the way we felt like Cade became a made man we were very excited about that because he was part of us and part of the family so now that his internship has officially kicked in and he's coming here more often we've gotten to know him pretty well over the last five or six months but he's going to hang out he's going to cover you UTEP basketball. He might be spending time uh, for spring ball in El Paso and maybe seeing some of the high school programs like, uh, you know, your uh, school at Pebble Hills. That could be it. So it's 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 good. It, it works out well for us. And now also your son Marcus is going to be uh, playing at UTEP. So we'll have a relationship there that you could maybe get a little uh, insight on here with Kate. Yeah, and, that, and that'll be good because I'll get the real insight from, you know, there's always coach speak when you're talking about a, a player and, and your son and things like that. And then, and then there's uh, then an outside eye looking in or, or that kind of perspective. So I'm interested in hearing all that stuff too. I'll never ask you that on the air. You know, I'll, I'll send Kate a text and he'll give me the real lowdown so I can give some honest feedback to my son, see what he needs to be doing. But I'm really excited about that. You know, he'll be a walk-on uh, at UTEP. And, uh, but he'll yeah, have a place on the team. And if he gets on the field, it's going to be up to him. That's awesome. Good stuff. Uh, all right, Kate, uh, go ahead. I know you've got questions for Coach, so uh, fire away. Yeah, I mean, taking over a football program is no light job, and I don't know anything about Hayes High School. I'm a California kid that's you know relatively new, year and a half new to El Paso. I don't know uh, as much about Texas high school football as, as probably the rest of the people listening, but I know football, and I know that taking over a program is not a light task. How do you balance, Steve mentioned tradition that's happened in that city and at that high school, how do you balance coming in and leaving your stamp on the program and doing things your way, how you know you can have success and keeping tradition there? So I think the, the first thing that we will do is develop relationships. You have to develop relationships with those kids, and then you have to make all of the – and we've done this everywhere we've been. So you have to make the goals of the program about the players. So if we go in there and say, hey, these are our goals as co- coaching staff, that's hard to buy into because are the players going to be – are they going to be looking at you thinking, well, these are coaches' goals, but that's not important to me. And I think that's where the, the barriers, that's when you hit those roadblocks. And so when we get in there, like I explained to the players this morning, when, when we get in there, we will we'll begin our process of finding out who they are as individuals and what's important to them and what their goals are. Because you can't hold people accountable if you don't know what their goals are. So if you, know, if you told me I want to be the next Steve Kaplowitz, then – and you don't show up to work or you're not doing your homework and you're getting ready to go cover a game and you're not prepared, oh, I can hold you accountable to that. But if I don't know what your goals are, how, you know, how am I going to motivate you on a daily basis? Because not everybody, not everybody springs out of bed ready to do everything they need to do to be successful. So 
you have to make it about the players. You have to make it about that community first. And then my, you know, that other question was, he talked about having tradition in that program. How do you balance that coming into a place and, and, and putting your stamp on it and maybe squashing some traditions that you don't feel like should be there anymore and bringing on new ones of your own? I remember going through that exact same thing when I got a new head coach uh, at my high school back in California. It was Los Alamitos High School, very rich in tradition school. New coach came in, great coach. They've had you know a lot more success there than they did at the end of the tenure of the previous coach. Uh, but there were some traditions that got squashed and there were some new ones that started. How do you balance that? Well, number one, I have to be myself. You know, they hired me to be me. They didn't hire me to be Bob Shelton. And I'm never going to attempt that. I'm, we're not going to run the single wing like Bob Shelton did. We're not going to run the slot T like Les Go did because that's not what I do and that's not what I know. It doesn't make that wrong for them to run those things and me right for running whatever it is that we're going to run. But I think what's important is you have to be true to yourself. You know, they hired me for a reason based on my presentation and the answers that I gave. So apparently, well, obviously, we have something that they're looking for. And I, I'm really proud of the fact that they were after the Pebble Hills culture. And that, to me, was important, that they, they knew what our culture was about. I, you'll be, there was 80, over 80 applicants for the position. They whittled it down to, to interviewing eight of us, and then two of us were finalists. So they did their homework. And um, you pull up our stuff, you're going to see what we're about as a culture. But that's who I am. That's who I am as a coach. And so I think the mistake would be for me to go in there and see the traditions and try to do it like Coach Shelton did it, do it like Coach Go did it, do it like Coach Felt did it. And that's just not how it works. Kids see through that right away. So be myself, be who they hired me to be, and – like I said, when I develop the relationships and they understand where I'm coming from and vice versa, we have a chance. All right, we're going to come back, wrap up the hour with Coach Torres, and then we'll have Nate Paz joining us in our 6 o'clock hour. More in a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. 48 past the hour as we continue. Still to come, Nate Paz as we uh, continue our conversation right now with Mark Torres. Longtime Pebble Hills coach and now the new coach of uh, Buda Hayes, the Rebels, who will be taking over starting in 2024. In fact, I'm looking at uh, the last six seasons with uh, Les Goat, who you mentioned a moment ago. He comes in and uh, turns things around. Eight and three his first two years, 10 and four in year three. But since then, three and seven, six and four, and four and six. And now you're given the opportunity to take over the program. Is for you? Do you see this as a, a quick fix, or do you think that it could take a little time before you're able to to really get things to the, the levels that uh, you expect? Well, I mean, <clears throat> they're going to start keeping score week one, so the expectation is to try to be successful. I, I don't know necessarily. I haven't worked those kids out. I did meet them this morning. Um, you know, there's been a big transition, not just with, with coaching, but in 2020 they changed from Rebels to the Hawks. Um, so we, we do have a new mascot. They had to rebrand. like that. You know, that was a thing uh, back in 2020, and this was one of the schools that, that implemented a change in that regard. Okay, makes sense. Uh, when you looked at the team today and you saw them for the first time, um, size-wise, similar to what you're used to, or – uh, will it be a little bit of a of a bigger team? You tell me. I always we always hear that in Central Texas. Uh, sometimes uh, you'll see a little bit of a, of a different size of athlete than what we might see here in El Paso. Probably a little more height in in uh, in general. A lot more like when I was at Franklin as opposed to to Pebble Hills. You know, just 
for whatever reason, the kids were a little bit taller, a little more lanky at Franklin than at Pebble Hills, and I, I saw a little bit of that. But yeah. a majority of the kids were just normal 14- to 16-year-old-looking high school kids. Coach, how do you assess building a staff? Well, I mean, I got to go meet those guys uh, and figure out, you know, who's who's invested in those players and who's not, and uh, you know if, you know, which which of my guys is is wanting to go with us over to, to Hayes from Pebble Hills and continue what we what we've started over here. Um, there's a lot to it. It's not as simple as you know, hey, we're up and we're uprooting our family and moving. I, and I realize that it's not as as easy as it sounds, um, but. I think the most important thing is is chemistry on a, on a coaching staff and in a program. And if we can get along, we're going to have a chance. And if 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 we can't, then forget it. Doesn't matter what you really plan. So, yeah, I think we'll just get a good sense, a kind of a gut feeling of uh, whether or not a, a guy belongs or not. Meanwhile, um, I also look at you know a program like this. I would assume a good track record when it comes to uh, producing uh, Division One talent. Well, there's been, I, you know, I saw some some pictures on the wall. There's some A and M guys, some Baylor guys, some Houston guys. I didn't, you know, it was it was really kind of an in and out kind of a meeting this morning, and I wanted to pay more attention to the kids that I was meeting instead of kind of the history of who the players might be. Sure. Um, so I'll get a little more background on that as time goes on, but um, you know, there certainly seems to be some guys that have a chance. Coach, last time we brought you in the studio, we had like a check-in with you as far as the state of El Paso when it comes to football, like where our resources are at, where our competition level's at. It's always good to get uh, your perspective because you don't only um, you see it from an El Paso standpoint, you see it from a, a statewide standpoint, from the boards that you serve on and stuff like that. Where are we at right now in the city of El Paso? You know, we just have challenges that other parts of the state don't have. You know, we're a border town in uh, the way society is right now and the kind of the things politically that are happening really impact people in my profession at a, at a, at a high level because whoever walks through your door, you're going to educate. And they're, you know, they count. They count towards academic progress as a school and as a school district. And so I don't think that the intentions are not the best best coming from our school district i think they want the best for every one of us they just have different challenges you know they answer to tea you know they they their scoreboard's different than our scoreboard and so i think those challenges when when you know i couldn't go down to venezuela and pass a, a high school equivalency test so when we get kids that aren't from around here and we get thrown in they got a test they got to go to school and their academic progress impacts what we do on the campuses in El Paso, Texas. And so the challenges are different. The intentions are the same. We, they want to be successful here. I can tell you that for sure. People want to be successful here. But academic success supersedes that. And so the funding has to go to the resources of getting every one of our kids educated the best we can. And when you don't have some of those challenges in the other parts of the state, those resources can go somewhere else. And I think it's pretty simple as that. Final question for you. Um, I know how proud you are about you building up Pebble Hills to where it is uh, today and where it's going to be uh, now that you're going to be stepping away and and moving out. Um, Is there one moment in particular that stands out among all the others for you, like one highlight you could say in your career that you'll cherish the most uh, as, as you head over to Buda? 
Yeah, you know, I remember putting my arm around Marcus's neck um, before, uh, kind of as the time was ticking down, we won our first district title. I, I would say that that moment stands out uh, during a game for sure. And then kind of how uh, my wife jumped into my arms after that game and the Permian game in 22. I think that those things, um, those feats were, were real important. And, then, and those are the people that understood kind of the sacrifices. You know, my wife being there all the time and the, the sleepless nights I had, she, she's right there with me. And um, she's a big reason that, that I have this opportunity, you know, and, and your spouse is, your family is everything. And when you have the support, you know, you have a chance and, and your options become open more than they would for some other people. And so, you know, my wife is, my wife, my kids, they, they've they been the ones that have, uh, those moments are the ones that have stood out to me. It's not easy being a football coach family. It's not easy at all. No. And so many great players, Steve, I can tell you, gosh, I mean, I, I can't really pick one. It's easy right now to say that, you know, Gael was the best player, or, or but then you say, well, Caleb Gerber. And, you know, Devin Deal's probably going to be in the NFL. Uh, my favorite player up to this point is Marcus Torres, without question. And uh, I'm proud of that. So, yeah, he's my favorite Spartan of all time. He put up with more than anybody could ever imagine. Imagine you had to go home with your coach. No. And he's a hard ass and all that kind of stuff. And. You know, he's living it. But, hey, he's got a 4.0. He's going to graduate high school with an associate's degree, and he's going to have a chance to play Division I football. So what we do works. Absolutely. And now you can get a full report from Cade on him, and he'll, no keep, doubt. Track. he'll keep track for you. We are going to exchange numbers before I get out of here for sure. Perfect. Good stuff. Coach, congratulations on everything. Um, I'll look forward to seeing you Saturday night. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, best of luck and keep in touch with us. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to Saturday night, too. It's, it's, it's not called off just because I'm leaving. We're going to have a good time, and uh, we, can't, we can't wait to have Steve uh, as our guest speaker for our uh, football banquet this year. going to be a lot of fun. He's Coach Mark Torres, folks, joining us here as we continue on Sports Talk. Nate Paz is next, 6 o'clock hour, right around the corner, 600 ESPN El Paso. Had and, and how they helped me and and uh you know I'm, I'm here to serve and that's kind of like become what i do with my life so coach want to ask you a little bit about uh when something goes wrong or in your can you remember an instance where something went wrong and you had to think really outside the box whether it be a travel issue you know maybe a food uh issue or something like that during your time one memory that stands out in in a way that you were able to kind of button up a, a messy situation Gosh, there are quite a few of them, especially when you get into team travel. You know, there's so many things can happen with, with, with team travel. Um, I don't know about any particular situation. I'll probably, after, after I get off the air, Adrian, think of something. Um, you know, we talk about a funny story that, that Brett talked about, the boom box in Oklahoma. That's the one I was thinking of. Well, I mean, that's one that just pops up in, in, in my mind. Um, you know, if, if people want to hear this one, Gary Nord's first game, and Gary had been at Oklahoma two years before and had made a comment about the the dentist to the dental convention, that the dentist in Oklahoma would never – they'd always have business, but it kind of made fun of the people of Oklahoma, and they were out to get him, and so we showed up at the stadium. He wanted his boom box. He had promised the players the boom box, and Coach Bailey wouldn't let him have one, and, and – Bob Rappinuth, the equipment manager, didn't bring the boombox, and he said, "We got to have a boombox." I said, "I'll get one." Went 
to the Oklahoma locker room. Bob Stoops was was there. Coach Tuff said, Coach Stoops, you know, crazy question. We we forgot our boombox. He sent me to the weight room. The weight guys were in there lifting weights like they do. They sent me to Bud Wilkinson Hall with the ex. They said the, all those ex players will, and they were feeling pretty good. The ex OU players, I bet they were. Went across the street with uh, Wade Phillips' wife, Wes's mother, uh, Lori Phillips, and uh, Chris Porter's mother, and started going tailgate to tailgate looking for a boombox, and finally traded two sideline passes with a bunch of fraternity sorority guys and girls, and uh, for the boombox. But I had to chug a beer with them. And I was still coaching, so I chugged the beer, took the boom box back. We set it up, and uh, then a few minutes later, I went to the press box and had my duties. So that's that's one of the things that happened. But, you know, uh, I don't even want to get – Kate experienced two flights this year where we lost the plane and uh, had an afternoon game the next day. And you have to script with that. Like in Chicago, the plane got to El Paso. I was ahead of the team. Broke down, had to bring another plane in, delayed, call Coach Dimmel, delayed everything, all the meetings. But we had to go immediately to the hotel staff and say, don't go home, you know, because the dinner's not going to be at 7 o'clock and the pre, uh, the snack's not going to be. And just the people that had affected the bus company, we lost two buses. We had to get two other buses in Chicago with two different drivers. And uh, But you, you one thing, Adrian – you can't panic. You just have to sit back, say a short prayer, and uh, use your experience to kind of t- to know everything you have to do. The hotel, the buses, the plane, just even the food back here. Call a restaurant to get food here for yeah. the guys. Have I mean, you ever had Have you ever had a charter issue like that twice in one season? Never had twice in, in one season, and both times it happened. You know, the other time was the last game at Middle Tennessee. The plane was supposed to leave Chicago. And it broke down, and they got another plane, and then the flight crew had too many hours, so they couldn't. So they had to fly a plane from Las Vegas, get a pilot, fly it to Phoenix, pick up the, the crew, then fly to El Paso. And we got in there. Instead of arriving at 6 o'clock, we arrived at 1045 and had a 1 o'clock kickoff. And it was another another time that you, you lost some bus drivers, and you had to get new bus drivers, and then you had to tell the hotel staff to wait. And then your team has to come in and eat friday night dinner at 11 o'clock and then you've got all the support staff that can't go out and eat and it, it, it uh, you just have to like i say say your prayers and keep your calm and 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 uh go from there because i had this situation back in about 2000 going around from room to room at bed check and a couple of players pulled me in and said coach Paz, can we ask you a question i said sure you're, normally, you're the coolest, one of the coolest guys. We can go to you about anything, but sometimes on on travel days, Friday, you turn into a beep beep. And uh, from that point on, I said, you know what? I got to keep my cool no matter what happens and no matter what what situations come up. Yep. You know, because you see that with coaches on the field, if you can keep your cool and keep maintain your focus you're a much better coach i love it or a much better quarterback absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i can't even imagine what it's like as a player with those delays that's got to be rough it's a lot actually i'm i in my personal experience 
I think that it's much harder on somebody like Coach Post than it is on a player like me because the truth is is that they're going to work their tail off to make sure that all the necessary elements are still there. Does it maybe throw off a little routine a little bit? Maybe, or something like that. But, you know, he just said it. You know, when, when a flight gets delayed, now you're thinking about buses and then meals, and then the meal has to be prepared on time, but you don't know exactly when it's going to come in yeah. on time, and then all the hotel staff has to stay there. And everything gets knocked down the line and changed, and it creates so much more work on his end and, and everyone supporting the team, whereas the players, you know, yes, do we want to know when we're going and how we're doing it because, you know, that makes you feel better mentally? Sure, but at the end of the day, you're still going to get to the hotel, you're going to eat, you're going to wake up the next day, and it's time to play ball. True enough. Speaking of eating, when we come back, more with Coach Paws, but I've got to, I want to tell you a little bit about our dining deals this Friday. If you have not been to Broken Egg Cafe just yet, this is the time to do it. We'll talk about that and more with Coach as we keep things moving right here at 600 ESPN El Paso and Charlie One. Coming up Friday at 10 a.m., our latest dining deals. Bringing it back with another Broken Egg Cafe. If you have not had the opportunity yet here on the west side to visit another Broken Egg Cafe at 5863 North Mesa, this is your opportunity. And their menu has everything. Crispy chicken and waffles, Incredible Eggs Benedict, customizable omelets, BLTs, burgers, salads, Oh, yeah, how about a full bar? And whether it's breakfast, lunch, brunch, Adrian, another Broken Egg Cafe is a terrific spot, and our listeners could take advantage. $50 for just $25, our dining deal this Friday at 10. Yeah, I think people are going to really be fired up about this. I love another Broken Egg Cafe. We're actually going to get a chance to go out there tomorrow uh, and sample some food out there with some of the great people. Uh, and so I'm super happy about that, and I'm happy that they're with us and partnering us with us on this uh, campaign. Uh, what time is that? Eleven o'clock tomorrow. That's right. Uh, Cade, you have class at eleven tomorrow. I do not actually have class at eleven tomorrow. Adrian, as an intern on six hundred <laughs> ESPN El Paso, on, does on, Cade automatically qualify for another Broken Egg Cafe? Of course, and that also extends over to Alberto over here as well. Nice. So yes, everybody in the house can uh, can take advantage. So I can come at eleven tomorrow. This is this is real. This yes. is real. Okay. This, this this is real. This is great. That's like a thirty second drive from my apartment, and me, I have driven by it so many times. Uh, much of which with my girlfriend Kaylee, who loves to try every new restaurant in El Paso in El Paso that she possibly can. So she's going to be up here soon. I would love to go taste it, so that maybe I can go bring her when she comes up. Nate, this is the beauty of internships. Yeah. At six hundred ESPN yeah. El Paso, how did we wait so long? to have a UTEP student-athlete intern with us. How did that happen? Well, there's only one Cade McConnell. That's I, true. I mean, so, that is but, true. So he's the first guy that I think really fits into this. Because I was driving to Rio Dosa whenever this first time on the show was and and uh, listening. And at first I didn't realize it was Cade. I went, it sounds like Cade McConnell. And he, he was brilliant. And I went, you know what? This guy might have a future. He really is good. Yeah. Thanks, um, Coach Paul. That was your – when you were lamenting the California Angels. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. <laughs> the other thing I do want to say, too, is that Coach Poss was one of the only ones at the time from El Paso that was like, hey, I heard you on the radio. Like, ha- like physically went up to me and said, I, that's awesome. That's awesome. We're really happy to hear you on yeah. there. I think you did great. And that meant a lot to me. Yeah. So thank you. Well, you see so many ex-athletes, college and professional, that make a career. And you got you start somewhere, and I think you've got a great pedigree to do that. I mean, he's made for it now, but uh, he's got another job he's you know enjoying, and that's uh, you know playing quarterback well, uh, for the UTEP Miners. You can't play quarterback forever, 
but you might be able to be a uh, so stick with your quarterbacking now but keep working as an intern that's the plan yeah. plus that's you get sound like get free breakfast sometimes too <laughs> that's true and who knows maybe Cade will eventually get what we're going to be doing in two weeks and that's heading to vegas for Whoa. for the uh, radio row live broadcasts uh, from super bowl 58 yeah. we're getting ready for the road to las vegas and doing that which is yeah. going to be fun too yeah and he's going to be in, in house here while you're while you're gone. In fact, he'll yeah. be hosting Monday's show. Okay. Uh, while we're in Vegas, we're yeah. we're going to be flying out Monday morning, and Cade and Lane Frank will be hosting the show together. Yeah, yeah. that'll so be good. They're going to do. Make sure I listen. They're going to do a yeah, great absolutely. job with that. I have and a then, question for you, Steve. Yes. When you go out to Radio Road, there, do you get? Is it business oriented, or is there any type of excursions that happen? While that is in such Vegas? a great question. There is both. Now. Um, I will say this because we're with uh, two others. Um, we're going to be with the Foss, Steve Foster and Chris Fernandez. Now, they're going to host a three-hour show before we go on the air from 12 to 3, which is called Laying Down the Law. They do it at, in ESPN in San Antonio. But we will have exclusive Laying Down the Law in El Paso, and they're with us. Now, here's the thing. They're a little older than us, and they know everybody. So when we went last year to Phoenix – we had no expectations of what this was going to turn into. And we had an absolute blast with them. This time around, it's going to be really interesting because one of Steve's former college teammates at Princeton was Jason Garrett, mm. who I'm sure is going to be at Radio Row because he's broadcasting now yeah. for NBC. The other college teammate is Dean Kane, the actor who played Superman in Lois and Clark, opposite Terry Hatcher. He lives in Henderson, Nevada, and I understand that we will be spending time with him. Now, we love Dean. We've had him on the show a bunch. He's a very well-known actor in that in the Hollywood world, and the fact that we might be um, spending a little time with him will be a very, um, I, I think, just going to be a lot of fun when we're not on the air. So that's, uh, that's going to be maybe in the evenings and looking forward to that. So, yes, there are things to do when we're not in the radio row world, but I will say this. From about 8 or 9 in the morning till when we finish at 6, we're in that room and we're hustling for interviews. We're talking to people we can get a hold of. We're building the shows out. I mean, that is work. But after that, we get a chance to uh, to at least enjoy a little bit of the uh, hospitality that they give to the media. Well, that sounds fun, number one. Number two, I... Uh, I'm excited for your absence and what it means for me and Lane. Yes. that That's also going to be fun. And three, I'm really excited to hear how it is when you guys come back. We get to talk about it. That, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Well, well Lane's going to be a different person because he just turned 16 yesterday. Oh, he's got a car now. He's huh? got a car. And that now he can drive himself to the show, <laughs> to the show and not have to worry about uh, you know getting a ride with his uh, with his family. So now he can do that. And, uh, yeah, you guys are going to have a great show on Monday. We're that's going to be fantastic. It, uh, Lane Frank Unleashed. I like it. Right. I think that's that. That could be uh, that could be a good. What do you think, Adrian? Lane Frank Unleashed. <laughs> yes. Uh, when I saw, yes, uh, that, that's the exact description I said when I saw his car. So uh, Lane Frank Unleashed. Now um, I've got more good war stories from um, uh, Nate. I know he's going to talk about a bus story that happened uh, many years ago uh, when he was uh, just starting at UTEP back in the early 2000s. So he'll have that for us. Let's get a quick sports center in. We'll do that right now, bottom of the hour, and then more with uh, Nate Paz as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso. Adrian, we can't really deny that. I mean, they've 
they have me beat by you know seven eight years depending on if it's Foss or Chris uh, when it comes to when they finished up uh, their playing days up so uh I, I respect my elders. I always have. That's something I was brought up to do by my parents, and I always have good respect for them. Yeah, you said how uh, you know you could be Cade's dad. I think both those guys could be my grandfather. The way you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just they kidding. Could. Chris uh, they they yeah. <laughs> uh, depending had, on how early they started, they absolutely could. Hey, uh, just to Stephen Foss, real, or I mean Foss and Chris, real quick. Those two parties. So we got to be ready. Like I gotta, I gotta mentally I, I, uh, prepare for all of this. I can't keep up with them. I'm just gonna. To tell you right now, I cannot keep up with those two. They're, they, it, they are they. It's it never stops. It didn't stop last year in Phoenix, and we couldn't do that either. You notice? Remember that one? Oh man, we co- there were some nights where we were the ones saying no, and they were the ones going out. I know, I know. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have uh, have a good time. Uh, Nate, maybe you'll end up in in Vegas in, in a couple of weeks with uh, who knows? Maybe with Aaron Jones because I'm sure he will probably be there with the A and A All the Way Foundation. Yeah, but I hadn't planned on going after that. Would be a lot of fun. It sure would. You were just in Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that like? Getting a chance to spend time with them and and watch Aaron uh, beat the Cowboys. Yeah, it was uh, it was unreal because I sat up in an area that uh, it was pretty much Packer families uh, that were there, and so it was a concentration of Packer people, and just to watch them go in and just completely dominate the game. Um, I really thought the Packers might win, but I have to admit I was a little surprised. Boy, they just dominated. So proud. Aaron came out. He was a he's a captain, and he came out, made the call. Packers said, and he said, "We want the ball." And you could hear it all over the Cowboy Stadium. And the Packers got the ball and just marched down the field, and therefore the onslaught began, which Set was really fun. To, it was. It was something I'll never forget. But now, are you a Cowboy fan or a Texan fan? I know you're an Aaron no, Jones. You know, fan. I'm a fan of wherever I have ex ex players either playing or coaching guys before, that I before know. Before that, before that, who'd you grow up rooting for? As I grew kid? up, I grew up uh, cheering for the Cowboys. And okay. then when I went to, to Rice University to play in Southwest Conference, the Oilers really. That's when uh, Bum Phillips took over for Sid Gilman, mm-hmm. and that's before I even knew Bum. But you know, I, I became a love you blue there for a while. I figured. And then you know. As I got out of school, I kind of ad- adopted like a good weather, you know, good weather fan. The, the Steelers. I, I always enjoyed watching the Steelers back in the day with Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan and Franco Harris and Jack Lambert. They just had a certain mantra to them. Now you've watched a lot of your former players over the years play in mm-hmm. the NFL. I know you've kept in touch with a lot of them. You've seen a lot of them play. Have you seen any? I mean, when it comes to all your ex players, uh, you've 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 gone and traveled uh, to see Aaron Jones quite a bit, haven't yeah, you? I've been five times to, yeah. to, to watch Aaron. Yeah, and of those five times, four were in Lambeau. Yeah, yeah. No, two in Lambeau. Two in Lambeau. Two in Lambeau. Yeah, and then three yeah, of yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. have, you, have you been to both games in Dallas? Are you yeah. seeing some of the Dallas yeah. games over the years? Yeah. Okay, but uh, about. Lambeau, what a what a what a neat place Green Bay and Lambeau Field. Just that the whole atmosphere, so much different than anywhere else in the, in the country. Who else uh, have you traveled to watch play? What are the former players? Uh, in the you NFL know, I used to go see Brian Young play. I've gone see Paul Smith play, uh, O'Neill Cousins, Quentin Demps, Jordan Palmer. Um, I still want to see. I want to go see Nick Needham and Roy Robertson play while they're still playing. Uh, it's not like there's more about. How there. about Will Hernandez? You seen him play? Oh, no, I have not been. I, I'm going to do that this year. I've got to go see Will play live. Yeah. So I will. It's kind of tough when you've got a, a football job yeah. at UTEP that pretty much coincides with the NFL schedule. Yeah, it, it's been real difficult. So most all the time it's been in December, December, January when I can go watch the guys play. Yeah. yeah.
So, Nate, do you, uh, off the top of your head, know of alumni from UTEP who've gone on and done uh, very successful things in um, you know professions outside of football uh, that you can reel off or, or mention right here, just for those who might not know? Yeah, you know, th- there have been. Um, of course, li- my friend Larry Durham, for one, <laughs> doesn't get any bigger than that, was, who was a Texas Western miner. Um, since I've been here, some some guys that I, I know have done well, like Robbie Felix, who was a center for us, that also you know had a little bit of time in the NFL. Robbie's really really done good. Um, let me, you know just think, Jamil Showers is doing good. Just doesn't doesn't surprise me that, that he. Wes Miller, one of my favorite, you know, Jamil and Wes Miller were co-captains on our bowl team in 2014. Wes is finishing up his PhD. At Texas A&M, and I think believe macroeconomics, you know, and Wes will do. He'll be he'll do do good. How about Clay Griffin and Shredskins? What he's been able to do with that company after getting yeah Shark Clay Tank. for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I know there's more out there. Just off off the top of my head, Adrian. It's good stuff. Yeah, uh, you got a bus story you wanted to tell us about before? I was just talking about just going back things that can happen. And this, this was I was still helping coach on the field with like Kate and I were talking about some special teams. Two thousand, another two thousand story. Great season. in the state of Oklahoma. Come to think of it, we're in Tulsa. We're we're two and zero in conference. Tulsa's two and zero. And my friend Keith Burns was the head coach at Tulsa at that time. Didn't know him, and um, so big game. So a lot of parents. We had a lot of players from Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. All their parents came up to Tulsa, and uh, I come out of the. Team me pre you know team meeting before we get on the bus, which big mistake which I always did is made sure the buses drivers were there. I'd called the bus company, nobody answered. I called the driver from the day before, he didn't answer. I come out of the team meeting and Bob Stoll, our our athletic director, who was a former head coach, said, Nate, we don't have buses. Oh yeah, they'll be here, Bob. Well, I went outside, then I called back, no buses. And I had to use the restroom but i couldn't stop i mean i had to sit on the commode to be quite honest but i couldn't so to get this squared away as as we go so i started going around i went to the lady that ran the hotel vicky mays was her name i remember that because vicky saved us i said do you have a shuttle she has one she goes i'll call the hilton down the street they got had a shuttle and then we she started calling taxis well i went started getting parents that were had driven up that had Made the announcement, who has SUVs or large vehicles? When you know, Please come to the front. And I'd go, okay. All right, that's, okay, right right here. Steve, you're, you're up. Cade, you're up. No, Adrian, not you. And then, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd go through. The guys that had to get there to get taped early, the, the better players, I, should, I guess to be honest, get in and they'd take off. They'd take off. The taxi started showing up. Boom, the shuttles. And finally, after we got the whole team and coaching staff, like the Beverly Hillbillies, to the stadium. I'm standing there. Here came the buses. And I actually was so upset with the buses. I just went to the bus buses and said, can you just please follow us to the stadium? And they said, where's the team? I said, well, they're at the stadium. You're, you're, you're late. And got to the stadium. And then, of course, the different taxi drivers were charging some, some of this $30. This was $50. Made sure I had cash. I, I did have cash, and I'll always take cash as director of football operations for situations like that. Well, we get to the game. We play. Big game. 27 to nothing at half. We're ahead. Going up at halftime back to the coach's box. The elevator broke down. 
and the offensive coordinator was trying to crawl out the ceiling. Well, Tulsa was broke. They were in the elevator with us. So both there were no coaches in the box, so the coaches on the field just ran everything. So you're telling we, me that you guys were stuck in an elevator at halftime yeah. because the elevator breaks down yeah, and Tulsa. you can't get out. Can't get Tulsa. out. So yeah. what, the offensive coordinator was trying to crawl out the top. We said, just relax. We get up to the box. It's 34 to nothing. And Gary Nord got on the headset and said, you guys should have just stayed in the elevator. We scored while you were gone. But uh, we get back on the plane, and I always sat in the front with, with Coach Nord, who called me the other day from the racetrack in Florida. And uh, he said, Posse, we ought to just take shuttles and taxis to, the, to every game. I went, no, 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 Gary. We're, we're, I'm going to make sure from here. We always have buses. So That's from that story. point on, I called the bus, bus drivers up to this day, Friday night, yep. talked to them Saturday morning, let's go. And you haven't had an incident since then? 20, uh, no. 24 years, we've been pretty good? Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, there are always certain things. Has a bus ever broken down on the way to a stadium? No. Good. No, no. Had some guys who had to slow they? down sometimes. Remember going to, to uh, Sam Houston this year from College Station. One bus slowed down quite a bit because it didn't think, but we made it. We made it, and we won that game. Were you in that yes. bus that slowed down quite a bit? Uh, I wasn't, but I saw the bus that did start slowing down. Yeah. We've had There's always something on a trip. I mean, and nothing's ever, I feel like, exactly perfect. There's always going to be something little. Maybe it may be close to perfect, but there's always going to be a few bumps in the road. Right, Coach Boss? Uh, yeah, there, there are. You've got to keep your cool. And, That's right. And uh, sometimes audible. Call the audible. There you the go. Operations audible. There you yes. go. Yeah. What will Coach Paws be doing next? We're going to find out. We're going to ask him what's next up on the agenda. And hopefully he's got uh, an answer for us. We'll come back with more. Wrap things up. Final 20 minutes with uh, Nate Poss, Cade McConnell. Sports Talk right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Final countdown here with Cade McConnell, our UTEP spring intern who is going to be with us tomorrow. Broken Egg Cafe. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing you out there, man. Be fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, I'm just excited for the food, too, and to get to hang out with you guys. Win-win at 11 o'clock, and then oh, we yeah. can Let me tell you something. If you, hang, if, you, if you play your cards right with this dining deals thing, oh, you're going to have the greatest meal plan in the history of meal plans. I'm just telling you that right now. And I will say this, and this is uh, – I, I won't stay too long on this because <laughs> I'm not throwing myself a pity party here, but I am not the cook that – my mom or my girlfriend is by any means. But on top of that, like I've told you guys when I came in here today, today was a runaround type of day. I mean, I'm, I am doing as much as I possibly can as a quarterback for UTEP football to try to be prepared for next season, yes. as well as being a good student. Cooking and getting food in between all of that stuff can absolutely be a challenge at times, as it is for everybody who lives in the world with, a, with an occupation and, and stuff. I understand that. But I would, I would be lying if I said that some NIL deals with foods and, and restaurants and things like that in order to help out would not, wouldn't, wouldn't help. That they, would, they would help so much. So I, I hope that something like that could be done. That would be really cool. It would be cool. In the meantime, just use the internship to its full capacity. Yes. Absolutely. All right. I like that. Uh, this also came in from Esteban. My dad taught me, he mentions to us on the 600 ESPN El Paso, a real man always carries cash. What do you think about that one, Nate? I like it because I always carry cash. I you know, hope no one tries to rob me, but I believe in <laughs> cash. And, that, you know, I've learned through the years. I don't care. They talk about going to a cashless society. Yeah. I don't think I could handle that. 
be rough. I mean, I, I don't think I could live like that. Yeah, Adrian, do you carry cash or do you carry? Are you cash? Probably uh, the guy who carries cash once every thirty days, man. Like I have zero cash. I have all my Apple Cash, Venmo, uh, Apple, you know, Cash App, whatever you want electronically. That's how I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay the ATM fee instead of getting the cash beforehand. It's just how I operate. I have friends that have sent me money on Apple. And Venmo, and I can't figure out how to go collect it. So I need to talk to Adrian. You do because if yeah. you have all this money that's sitting in some wasteland, you got to yes. you got to make sure you collect yeah, all that. I, I, right. I need to get it. Uh, yeah. What's next for you? Okay, what what do you what do you want to do? All these years at UTEP, you obviously don't want to retire. I can't no. picture you retiring. What do you want to do? Well, you know, right now I'm, I'm going to help the athletic department with with uh, try to facilitate an ex student athlete like organization. Try to get get more ex-student athletes kind of involved in the meantime you know people are reaching out to me that now that they know i'm kind of a free agent if, if the you know term fits and and uh, it's it's been interesting to the different type of offers with football with athletics and the and the public i mean private sector so but for now you know i'm i'm, I'm still going to try to help utep progress forward would you ever want to have anything to do with maybe uh, NIL for football if you can help coordinate that the way Steve Haskins is doing it for basketball? You know, that's a that's a t- talk about a broken egg. That's a tough one. I don't know uh if that's really something I I'd, I'd like do I believe players should should get more money? Yes. So I mean, I can see myself doing that. Yeah. But it would be something Steve I'd have to just jump in the pool and say, go. "Let's go." I mean, listen, you don't seem like the kind of person that's uncomfortable asking for money. I'm not. Well, Adrian's not. Cage sure as heck isn't. I can tell by the way he was jumping on the uh, food offer a moment ago. He's he's ready to go. So I mean, you could you could yeah. do it too. You could no, no. I, I, I'm sure I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could. Um, it's just that's that's such a that is a an, an animal that's you know surfaced now, mm-hmm. and it's so different at a place like UTEP versus some of the big Power Five schools because they get all the TV revenues and it's easier to go out and hit the donors up with businesses for NIL money versus a school, you know, like UTEP, New Mexico State. It's a lot more difficult to do that and still get a new locker room and still feed the players properly and you're still, you know, so but yeah. I, I could it's something Steve, if I decide to do that, I I'm gonna go in for, you know there you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it. I'm gonna tell you this much. The fact that you're helping out with the former players is important. I feel like that is a very untapped resource that UTEP needs to embrace and needs to get better at. So ex players often feel like when they leave UTEP they, they just want UTEP to keep showing them the love and if you can help with that and help yeah. kind of cultivate that, yeah. I think that would be uh, be terrific. Now, that being said, I hope that people inside UTEP understand you just can't go go out and just go ask for money. You have to keep showing you care and cultivate the relationships it's just not it, it takes time it takes yeah. time just like anything good in life takes time you have to work at it you know michael jordan right. worked as hard as anybody to develop his game aaron jones just didn't doesn't show up and do that he, he <laughs> aaron, aaron works jones, really hard he does but he yeah. makes it look too easy too easy Aaron well, Jones is doing in the NFL what he did at UTEP. That's what's so crazy. I mean, the moves are the same. The, the yeah. misses are the same. It's unbelievable. All right, look, I've got less than two minutes. Yeah. Picks time. Sunday. Championship Sunday. Who do we like, boys, in the uh, AFC and NFC title games? I'm, I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. I've, I've rode with Lamar for a long time, and I'm going to continue through this one. Um, I'm, I'm taking the Ravens. All right, what about you, Coach? Chiefs. Chiefs. I mean, we, we played 
Patrick Mahomes, his second game at Texas Tech, and he was a special guy. And yeah. Andy Reid and Kelsey and the way their defense stepped up, never bet against the Chiefs when it counts. So the Chiefs are still the champions until someone can knock them off. There you go. Uh, Adrian, we'll save our picks for Friday's show. Um, what about NFC, guys? Who do we like in that one? Do we, uh, you know, who do we think is going to uh, walk out a, a winner and head over? Lions or 49ers? My bias is with the Lions, like the rest of the public. They got a soft spot for Dan Campbell and Jared Goff and, and the rest of them in company. Um, but I think that the Niners are going to win this one. Unless Brock Purdy has one of the games that we've seen, the few games where he's really stumbled and kind of hit some bumps in the road. If he does that, they're not going to win. I said that last week on the show, and I'll say it again. If that happens, they, they don't have a chance. But uh, I think that they're going to still play a clean game. I think we're going to get yeah. a Ravens-Niners Super Bowl. That, okay. You know, I, I, I cheer for, for Dan Campbell and the Lions, but but like to allude to, to Cade, you know, the way the 49ers came down the field at the very end, that last drive, and then just methodically moved it down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I they're going to be hard to beat. Now, yeah, they're front force defensively so good so i'd have to go with the 49ers gentlemen great having you both thanks for being there kate it's a fast three hours as it always is i'll see you tomorrow for lunch coach uh great to see you and keep in touch and come back and see us i I will can can i come to lunch Uh, nothing beats a broken egg there you go you you know what you just work it out with adrian we'll see you tomorrow there as well (laughs) all right guys we'll talk to you then uh again tomorrow at four have a great night everybody